We, we haven't done this in a few weeks, but I'm super excited uh, to be back with the Twitter Spaces, with Crypto Jobs' Twitter Spaces, uh, where we talk to um, founders and HR managers and people who already work in the industry and about you know, their projects, uh, how they're hiring, whom they're hiring, what it's like to be working in the industry. And uh, considering that right now we are in a, in a bear market, so I guess like the questions and some topics that we'll be discussing um, will be also related to, to the bear market. And I'm very interested in uh, kind of those kind of conversations because I think in the past two years we've been all up only. And um, everyone was just, you know, how to get in in the space and uh, how to work in it. And I guess this time for those for whom uh, the bear market is the first time for them, uh, you know, it's going to be a lot of interesting uh, and counterintuitive things that happen during bear market uh, that everyone should pay attention to. Anyway, so uh, today uh, we're talking to uh, uh, Melissa from Uma Protocol. And Uma Protocol is an optimistic oracle uh, for Web3. Um, I'm not going to be stealing your limelight, so I'll, uh, I'll <laughs> let you introduce yourself and uh, you talk a little bit about the UMA um, project itself. So, Sure, yeah. Hey, thanks for having me and thanks everyone for joining us. This will be fun. Um, yeah, so I am the CEO at uh, UMA Protocol. Um, our mission really is to make global markets universally fair, accessible, secure, decentralized, all things kind of core to, to Web3 and the crypto ethos, right? Um, yeah, do you want me to just dig in? Yeah, please, 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 into, go ahead. Cool, how it started and kind of how we got to here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so how, how we started along this journey, the, the founders really came from a traditional finance background and saw that, that most people in today's kind of global world with internet can access most things, but financial contracts, services, and products remained really restricted, right? Um, based on various factors, location, socioeconomic status, all these different things. And so they really took initiative to start building a world where financial markets would become more universally accessible, hence hence our name, which some of you might know, UMA stands for Universal Market Access. Um, and as you mentioned, it's a optimistic oracle that secures markets and, and smart contracts really across Web3. Um, and, yeah. and really just tells smart contracts things about the world so that you can enforce kind of real world payout conditions and, and be kind of a human powered truth machine, essentially. Cool, cool. Yeah, I think the, the Oracle place is um, you know, quite an exciting space and I think it's been around for, for, for a few years. Uh, could you please remind us like what year uh, UMA like, got started and launched? When, sorry? Uh-huh. Yeah, which year when UMA launched and was started? Yeah, I th- the founding ideas I think started, um, I should know this exactly, but 2019. And I think the, the token launched in, in 2020 um, mm-hmm. and was one of actually the first to to do its distribution distribution um, via Uniswap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, were you with the team from the very start, or did you join like a little bit later when they already showing some progress? Yeah, I was not. I joined in November of 2020, so I was employee number eight, I believe. Cool, 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 cool. And your current like yeah. responsibilities within Uma are sorry, say that one more time. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, your current uh, set of uh, kind of responsibilities with the, within Uma, so you're in charge of uh, staffing and uh, like operations, as far as I understand, right? Yeah, so I started as the chief of staff there, which was really a, a goal to help our founder um, be his most efficient self, right, is kind of the way I think mm-hmm. of it. Um, and kind of that jack-of-all-trades person that uh, is is willing to help out and recently transitioned more into a COO role. Um, and, and among those both, I was really focused on the hiring. Uh, I have a background in HR, my previous previous life, um, and so cool. that kind of came natural to me. And the the people and culture side of things is always something I've been really passionate about. Um, and so, kind of in in both roles, taking on uh, taking care of the people, taking care of hiring, recruitment, that kind of pipeline, and, and managing growth. And then I think. Um, as we have grown, so since I joined at kind of number eight, we are now a team of about 30. So along that growth, making sure that we have like the systems and processes to grow at a really sustainable rate, right? It's easy to to have hyper growth, especially like you said, when it's bull market and number go up in the industry. Um, but making sure that we're responsible and sustainable about that kind of throughout, both in terms of our people and 
and tech and products as well. Okay, amazing. So like right now, you already mentioned you have 30 people. Are, they, are you all in the same location or are you distributed around the world and around time zones? Can you please tell us more about like the, the structure and dynamic in the team itself? Yeah, absolutely. We are uh, distributed around the world, so remote first and international. Um, they did actually have an office in one point before I joined the team. In mm-hmm. um, there or there was an office in New York that a handful of the team worked out of. Um, COVID hit and everyone went remote, and we realized it was actually working really well. And it was a really good opportunity to um, hire and work with really diverse talent pools, right? And and pull from a greater um, a greater candidate pool, obviously. And so um, moving forward, we will be remote first kind of always. Uh, we have people in about 12 different countries around. Myself and a handful of us in Vancouver are as far west and we go as far east as Latvia and have a bit of everything in between. Cool, cool. Do, do, do you see any like current challenges while working remote across uh, so many time zones? Time zones are challenging. I think what we say, what we say to people, um, and challenging just in like the practical sense, right? In that, like, yeah, it's it's eight o'clock for me. It's morning time for you. It's probably midnight for some people, right? It's it's challenging to respect people's boundaries. I think, especially in a remote first world where there is no like leaving the office, right? Um, I would say we have a really amazing team that is flexible about it, and it's it's worked well for us, but it is challenging. And I think the way the way we approach it, and I, I will tell people this in our interviews, is that we don't really care if your bum is in a chair nine to five or twelve to eight. There's morning people, there's evening people, and that's totally okay. Work in the environment that you work best in. What we do ask of people is some level of consistency, right? So your team starts to understand when they can expect you online and um, and kind of when to expect deliverables from you, as well as some flexibility because we are a team and you do need to respect that it is morning time for some people and evening time for some people. And, um, there's a little bit of give and take there. And then we ask for about three hours overlap time, like working overlap time with Eastern time zones, so like New York esque, um, because it is a bit central for us between kind of Latvia and, and Pacific. And that just allows us to have team wide meetings, sprint planning, that kind of like time for synchronous communication. But, but other than that, we really do rely on, all the typical tools, right? Like Slack, Google Docs, um, everything, Discord, everything else to to be as efficient asynchronously as possible. Cool. Yeah, I think you mentioned a very good point about consistency. I, I haven't heard anyone else in, my, in, in the previous Twitter spaces mentioning it, but I think it's a very good point for remote work. It's like, you know, sometimes people are, you know, uh, you, you never know what, when they're online, they're they're out for coffee or out for lunch in unexpected periods of time, and you try to fix some problem or like coordinate something, and uh, they're not online. So I think it's a very very valid point, and uh, kind of a sound of a you know sounds like a good structure within the team, good expectation. So for everyone who's listening, who are probably considering or just starting their remote first uh, work journey, I think that's an interesting point to to keep in mind to ensure that you guys are consistent with your time and, you know, setting certain expectations. Um, yeah. And I think cool. it starts to build mm-hmm. trust too, right? Like I remember when I first went r- remote fully, I felt like I needed to show like, or the hours I was online. Right. Mm-hmm. And now I feel a little bit more comfortable with it. Cause I feel like I've built up that trust with my team and it's okay if I like need to go run and grab a coffee, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think consistency over time does start to build trust, and that's that's really helpful for a remote environment too. Mm-hmm. So, um, just you know, I'm, I'm thinking that if you guys started in 2020, right, that was still kind of uh, upwards trend, right? Uh, I think it was the beginning of of the bull market. Uh, how does it feel uh, then versus now in terms of your like hiring uh, prospects and like scaling the company? Uh, what's the sentiment within within the team? Within the team, yeah. I mean, um, starting at a company under 10, I think is always a bit of a different vibe, right? Mm -hmm. And so you get, I find you get that like 20 to 30 people is just a little bit different, right? You've, you've reached some point of legitimacy that, um, that it seems somewhat easier to, to go from 20 to 30 sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, nonetheless, I think the, the sentiment across the board has remained pretty steady in that 
we we try to find the people who are excited about this industry and excited about what we're doing and excited to make an impact via the tech and the industry we're in. And I think those things hold constant, right, ideally. Um, and you see the ebbs and flows and sentiment definitely in terms of applicants and like the noise around you, I would say. Um, but on the team, I would say the the sentiment has remained like excited across the board to just continue doing what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And and in terms of growth, um, I mean, like I said at the beginning, my kind of goal coming in was to make sure that we had sustainable growth along the way. Um, understanding kind of the the long term vision and the potential of Uma when I first came in. Um, it was hard to imagine it as a 10 person company, right? Like how are we achieving this many things in these, yeah, this amazing technology with this little people. Um, Mm -hmm. and so it's been, it has been exciting to see us grow. And I think you start to, to realize, um, so many more new things that you can do as people have increased bandwidth, right. And, Mm -hmm. um, and there's just more resources and skill sets. Um, I think one that we took for advantage or took for granted for the longest time was design. It took us forever to have a designer and making that jump from no designer to designer was like, seemed like this huge external step, you know? Um, cool. And so, yeah, I think, um, uh, yeah, it's been exciting to, to -hmm. grow. And I think we'll continue on the same trajectory with that kind of responsibility and, and conservativeness along the way to sustain through kind of market ebbs and flows. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, we'll definitely gonna get back to the topic of uh, working in the bear market, but uh, <laughs> now, now that you mentioned about the design and uh, some other functions within your team, like what, what's the like team structure right now? What are the departments, if you have departments already? Uh, like who's responsible for what? Uh, is it mostly engineering-led or marketing-led? Or can you maybe talk about, about that? Yeah, so we... Up until like quite recently, I would say we were always pretty engineering heavy, both like financial engineering skill sets and, and traditional software engineering mm-hmm. skill sets. Um, we've started to tip the scales and even out in kind of engineering and non-engineering resources, but we've also um, just like literally just made a switch to more product focused teams. So we obviously have, or like maybe to back up a step. So we used to kind of run as your typical kind of monolithic engineering team, right? We have our engineering team. Um, they had different focuses. We had kind of like the smart contract side of things that focused on the protocol, the bots, maintenance, that, that kind of core. And then we had our DAP team that was like front-end DevOps and kind of the, the full stack of the DAPs. And then um, and that was our engineering team, and they worked on the different products based on kind of priorities, right? And then we had a DevX team who um, was more the external-facing technical skill sets. So they would work with integrating with partners and helping people with um, different products and and understanding them and, and developing them, um, your typical kind of developer experience stuff. And then we had our community team who, uh, no explanation needed in this industry, right? <laughs> they are great. And more recently we switched, and I guess why we switched is because we realized that we were starting to spread our focus across too many different things with kind of the optimistic Oracle at the core of what we do, we've also developed um, products on top of that. And and that started as a way to showcase the technology. And then we realized some of these things are really hitting a stride and and product market fit. And so we've developed some of these things on top of the optimistic Oracle. And now we are Mm -hmm. focused our structure on product teams. So we have a product team um, for the optimistic Oracle and that hosts uh, a product manager. We've got um, dedicated engineering resources, both smart contract at front end, um, dedicated design, dedicated community people, and then there's kind of these shared enabling resources, um, such as like corporate ops, so like myself, people, mm-hmm. strategy, uh, and then kind of developer support as well. Again, DevOps, um, any kind of escalation skill sets there, and cool. and we duplicated. Their, replicated that for three different products uh, at the moment. So that is like hot off the press. We are in the midst of that transition now. So I'm sure it'll be a bit messy for the last, next couple of weeks. But uh, I think the team's excited for the opportunity to to really own a domain and, and focus on certain products mm-hmm. um, and continue to build on top of that optimistic oracle that's, that's at our core. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, when, are you, when are you selecting people for your team? Um, do you have a specific process? And uh, well, before we get into process, actually, 
Uh, can you talk a bit more about like your like values or what are you trying to um, kind of look for in a candidate from value and soft skill perspective? Yeah, that's something that is is really important to us, and I'd say we dig pretty hard into kind of throughout the entire interview process. Um, and so, our values as a company are kind of is similar to some of those in, in the industry, but specific to us, um, we believe that like each individual should have the right to economic freedom, right? Um, we we value openness, honesty, directness, integrity with our people, taking smart risks internally, um, and, and giving people the environment to really do their best work in. And so I guess translating that into um, what we look for in candidates it's all of those things, right, in just a, a bit of a different light. Because I think it's really easy for both companies and people to have these like espoused first enacted um, values, right? So the things you say, and and I, integrity is one of them, right? Everyone talks about integrity, but I think really um, living and breathing that and showcasing it is is sometimes slightly different. Um, but for us. The, our, our values really do tr hold true and we often revisit them and make sure that we are living up to them and that they are still accurate and relevant and something that we want to hold ourselves to. Uh, and maybe I'll pause there. Does that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. I, do, do you have any like specific questions that you like asking candidates to like suss out whether they're a good cultural fit or not? Yeah. My favorite interview question is just directly, um, what are you looking for in terms of um, culture and values and the team you're going to join. And, and for myself, it's a bit of a red flag if they haven't thought about that, right? Uh, um, and not to say that mm. there's a right or wrong answer, but to show me that they're thoughtful about it is the first step, right? Um, and I think having consistency throughout. So both in the, like I do the initial screen interview with people and in the remainder of that interview, making sure that what they say there kind of matches up to the rest of their answers, right? Do they show that they cared about their previous work? Did they treat their previous employer with respect, right? Those are some things that, that highlight integrity, I think. And, and then similarly, um, do those match the rest of the following interviews? And are those things that have kind of remained highlighted from other people doing the interviews? And so I think just directly asking, and I think I think what's also important about that is that we show that culture is important to us. And so yes, values, but also the cultural side of things, right? I think we also want, we want to maintain a culture that we had at eight people as we do at 30, as we will at 50. And that shifts and evolves a hundred percent, but making sure that we keep culture intentional, right? And so asking those questions and bringing it to the forefront of interviews in the first 20 minutes that you talk to a candidate, um, I think, in my personal opinion anyways, are a good way to show that like, yes, we take this seriously and it's something that um, we care about and hope that you care about as well. Cool. Uh, and so far, like, what's the kind of composition of, of backgrounds, uh, the people that you hired so far or like that, that are you know, on the team, are they mainly already from the industry or are they from outside of crypto? Uh, and Web3, um, are they, you know, more junior, more senior? Can you, can you maybe comment on that? Yeah, that's a good question. I'd say, I guess there's two different sides. So in terms of um, backgrounds, I actually think we have a pretty healthy mix of people who worked in the industry before or worked in finance before, right? So come from, like, either part of the D or the FI <laughs> side of uh -huh. things. Um, and then... Uh, I think we have a, a healthy mix of people who kind of came at us from a hobbyist perspective. So maybe didn't necessarily work in, in Web3 or crypto from a professional standpoint, but have hobbyist experience or like did hackathons on the side, right? Or I often say crypto was their kind of five to midnight job, not necessarily their nine to five. <laughs> um, and then we do have a mix of people who, who jumped in fresh and have learned along the way. And I mean, I know Evan's in here uh, as one of our communications people. He joined um, from a completely different industry and is, has dove in feet first and is doing an amazing job. And so I'd say we have a healthy mix in terms of backgrounds. In terms of seniority, I would say that we do have uh, quite a high hiring bar and that often leads to, to kind of more senior roles. We aren't title heavy, so we don't have um, hierarchy necessarily in terms of our, our roles, right? And call them junior or senior or whatever. 
Um, but I would say we do skew more to the, the senior side of things. Okay, cool. Uh, do, do, you, do you have any efforts around uh, like diversity and inclusion? I think that's been a hot topic lately in the space. A lot of people have been talking about it. Um, anything that happening within UMA? Uh, totally. Hot topic for the last four years, really, right? Like since, oh, wow. the, okay. since the days of the internet, I think it's been a hot topic, um, which is great. It should be. It really should be. And it's something that I know I'm passionate about. And it's funny, when I actually joined the team, I recall, like I did an interview, I think, with, with most people on the team at the time. And all of them asked me how I was going to get more women on the team, <laughs> mm-hmm. which I loved at the time. Well, I would still love that now, but like it showed me that as at that time, a team of all males, it like bothered them that they were a team of all males, you know, and it was like my job coming in to, to do something about it. And that's great. I'm passionate about it. So, um, so what we do now, and I mean, it's one of those things that is hard, right? Um, particularly because we we actually do rely a lot on inbound candidates, um, particularly because uh, I'm doing most of the recruiting and I don't do a ton of outbound. I should do a lot more outbound. Um, uh, but with that, we rely a lot on inbound candidates. And so you get the candidates that apply, you know? Um, and so we, from the start, have tried to do different things. Um, and I'd say even more recently, so like I just came back from, from Matt Leave in March and from March uh, to now, we've like gone zero to a hundred in terms of just like being out there and, and posting mm-hmm. your jobs and um, highlighting yourselves as an employer all over again. And what we've tried to do is really be present in those communities, right? So different discords, telegrams, um, different job boards specifically for diverse communities, um, making sure, I mean, I've done different mentoring in the past, um, trying to look at, um, yeah, just all candidates equally all over the world and being, being really open-minded to how we can, how we can show up in different communities and different candidate pools, um, and encourage those people to apply. And I think what I would like to start doing more of, and I think there's a ton more work here to do is like starting from the ground up, right. And doing more workshops with people and education based things so that you do start to, um, educate people about web three and that like, it isn't just engineering roles either, right. These are, these are roles mm-hmm. across the board, um, and start to lower the, the intimidation in terms of getting into this industry and, and start there. And maybe that doesn't move the needle for your company, right? But hopefully it can start to move the needle for us as an industry as a whole. And so it almost feels like you're just, you're doing your time for, for the cause, right? Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, do, doing more events and things and showing up um, to, to encourage people of, of all backgrounds mm-hmm. to, to get in. Right. But yeah, it's Would hard. You, I, yeah. I take all suggestions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully uh, towards the end of our interview, we'll, I mean, after the interview, we're going to have a, like a Q&A for 20, 30 minutes. And uh, please, everyone here, prepare your questions, write them down, don't forget them, uh, and raise your hand eventually. But uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And going send back me all to, your feedback there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel free to DM Uma and uh, Melissa as well. Um, yeah, I was about to ask. Would you? Would you? Would you think? Would you say that? Uh, or like, how would you compare the diversity in Web three versus diversity maybe like in broader tech, or in, um, or like in a startup space, or like in finance? Sorry, say that one more time. How would you compare like diversity in Web three mm. as we see it today? Uh, to like just you know broader tech e- ecosystem uh, you know traditional startups non-financial uh, startups what do you say uh, web3 community is doing better so far or, or worse Ugh, I wish I wish I could confidently say that um, <laughs> I don't know that again I don't I don't I don't know that I know the answer there right okay. um, I mean I think there's I can speak for like the women in tech kind of mm-hmm. Um sector. And I think that has been a thing for a long time, right? Women in tech and not just like women in crypto or women in this, that, or the other thing. And it's interesting. We on our team had a discussion about this, about like not loving that title that we've earned ourselves, right? Like Mm. I don't necessarily want to be labeled a woman in crypto. I just want to be like a person in crypto doing cool things, you know? Mm. Um, 
But that said, like, I do want to make an effort to help that subset of people and all other subsets of people in, in diverse backgrounds, perspectives, cultures to come in. And I, I think what's really cool about having an international team too, is that that's kind of baked in, in some sense, although I don't think that, um, that achieves the goal. Right. Uh, and so I think crypto does better there at just like having really diverse international remote teams and communities. And so you do start to get this melting pot of perspectives and cultural backgrounds and experiences that, that really do like all the amazing things that diverse teams do, right? Like you come up with better solutions, you have more creative outcomes. Um, problem solving is just different, right? Cause you get so many different perspectives. Uh, whereas I'd say like more, maybe like slightly more traditional tech and, and certainly before the world went remote, um, you were still in an office. And so you're kind of susceptible to the talent that you can get to come into the office. Right. And so I live in the suburbs of Vancouver and, um, our office was like, you're, we were susceptible to people who live in the suburbs. Right. So we got a lot of like young white families <laughs> and that's, that's, that's hard to, to change when you are in an office. And so I do love that about crypto and just like our super remote, super, open-minded industry. And, and that's something I think we're definitely doing better at. Amazing. Uh, something that's, I feel, unique to crypto is uh, uh, anonymous contributors. I think mm -hmm. it, the whole space was started by uh, Satoshi, who is an Anon, the most famous Anon out there, I suppose. Mm -hmm. um, have you had any experience with it, Uma, like working with uh, Anons? Uh, or uh, what, what are your views on that? Would you hire someone who is anonymous or not? You know, it hasn't happened to us where someone has wanted to remain anonymous like we certainly people that we partner with or companies that we work with like we deal with a ton of them um and just like people in the community and our communities are super mins like i probably don't know most people's real names um but in terms of hiring people to to kind of the core team that that is of first labs um no one has asked to remain anonymous. Uh, I am certain we would make it work if they absolutely wanted to. We would find a way. Uh, but it hasn't happened to us yet. So I'm, I would actually be curious to know the logistical side of how people do that because mm. I haven't experienced it yet. But Okay. okay, okay. Yeah, I think that there are a lot of um, interesting dynamics and as well as opportunities around being an anon or working with anons uh mm -hmm. and like i'm definitely seeing a lot of people who are trying to like you know who are applying to jobs and they're not necessarily you know transpired about the identity which is fine but i think um and yeah actually i've talked on pre one of the previous twitter spaces with uh with this team called dx they're like a launchpad token launchpad and mm -hmm. uh they're all anonymous but uh from the way they sounded they were like super high integrity very experienced uh, and I think like one of the questions there that I like to tend to ask on, and I think one of the challenges for a lot of people who are anonymous is that how do you build trust quickly and how do you prove yourself that you're not going to like rug the project or create <laughs> havoc inside of the company, inside of the project. And because a lot of founders and projects out there, they're wary of it and they're like aware of that, uh, you know, that that is a risk, right? A risk of an anonymous contributor doing something off. Uh, so, but at the same time, I believe that it can still work if it's done correctly from both sides, from the, from the organizational perspective and from, you know, the contributor, right? So like, do, do you think, or maybe off the top of your head, uh, do you think there are certain things that people who pre prefer to be anonymous can do to, I don't know, help build trust quicker or maybe like help, um, uh, I don't know, sh showcase their previous work, um, any ideas in that space? Yeah, I mean, I guess you start to leave a little bit of a, a trail, right? And so if someone can go back and see like, okay, even if you are anonymous, here is all your like GitHub activity, right? And it is like genuine, good, solid code and yeah, high integrity work. I think that would be one thing and, and start to like build a trail up of yourself. The other thing, and like, I actually don't know, I've never lived this anonymous life, although it would, I'm sure be blissful, but like, there's something about turning a camera on, you know, where you mm -hmm. like put a face to a name and not necessarily that I need to know your name and see that it matches your passport and whatnot, but like I genuinely enjoy seeing my team, you know? And I think that like those type of things and having frequent interaction consistently, like we mentioned at the beginning, like I think those sorts of things begin to build trust. Mm -hmm. um, 
And I think those things are all things you could do anonymously. Um, maybe I'm wrong, but uh, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, I think it's definitely harder to turn on the camera on uh, if you're an anonymous. But I think I've read somewhere an article where there are solutions to, you know, you can change your voice and then you can like set an avatar that is kind of animated uh, for like for the advanced uh, yeah. anons out there. Uh, but you you mentioned uh, kind of turning camera on, and I think that's uh, that's a great reminder. Like, and I think in in kind of HR and hiring space, that's uh, sometimes a sensitive subject. Um, uh, what are your thoughts on this? Like, I, I personally recommend everyone turn on your camera during the interview because <laughs> in some for some companies it's like make it or break it uh, <laughs> sort of situation. What What are your thoughts? Any Any suggestions to people out there? Like, we have a lot of people who want to work in the industry listening right now. Uh, what What are your thoughts? What are your recommendations? I Come, mm -hmm. I do think it goes a long way. Um, I don't think it's necessary. Like, I wouldn't say it's make or break specifically for us, but like. I do think there is something that is helpful in just like seeing a smile, you know, mm -hmm. and, and having a friendly face and just being, um, yeah, genuinely present. And I think it shows, uh, I don't, I maybe don't want to say this, but like, <laughs> I might regret, but I think it shows an, an increased level of interest and enthusiasm. Yep. Right. Um, I mean, there's, there's some interviews I've had where I'm like, really, this is where you're taking your interview like at a beach where I can see people in a bikini behind you, like that's just kind of weird, you know, like mm. take a bit of time to go to a quiet room. Um, <laughs> but yes, but at the same time, I, I hear what you're saying. Like I think respecting where people are at and, and acknowledging that is really important as well. And I mean, there's, there's been people on our team who love the fact that like this industry, you don't need to, um, like docs your identity, right? You can be whatever you want. And, and I think that does like going back to our conversation about diversity, I think it does help that when you have the freedom to kind of show up however you want to. And so I, I respect both sides for sure. Yeah. I, I, I would say like, I personally have a bit like uh, quite a strong opinion that cameras should be on. And I think, especially for those people who uh, I think like really need a, a job or like really want to work and they're really, you know, it's a very strong signal, right? Uh, Nonverbal communication, uh, all the body language that uh, you know recruiters or company founders, leaders can see over the camera is uh, is priceless. Uh, and yes, yeah, you mentioned like the the preparation. A little bit of preparation goes a long way, right? Like you know, if someone's taking a foot on like outside on a beach uh, <laughs> in their in their park. Um, you know, that shows that they're probably not that interested in working for your company for your team. Um, but I think the, the biggest part of it is just this like non-verbal non cues of, you know, is the person, does the person look genuine? You know, their uh, face emotions, uh, are they lying? Are they not lying about certain things or their experience? Are they like reading off the script? I think these are very important things um, to communicate if you genuinely want to work for some company. Uh, I guess these these are my views. Maybe uh, other other people might think differently. Um, but that okay, raises cool. a good point, right? Like even just being open minded as a candidate, that like each company is going to approach it differently. I think is important, right? And so, like I don't know, maybe you ask, right? Would you appreciate my camera on? And someone's going to say mm -hmm. say what they want. So yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, the, this communication is is really key around camera on and off as well. Mm -hmm. uh, cool. So so far out of everyone who like been applying. Um, for Uma, uh, do you see, have you seen any trends in like resumes or um, how people structure their cover letters? And do you have any recommendations on what people should be avoiding uh, and maybe what should people be doing more of while they're applying and they want to, you know, find their first job in Web3? Yeah, that's a great question. In terms of resume consistency, I don't know that... Um, I don't know there's anything particular there. Uh, a beautiful resume is always lovely to look at. So that's, that's one thing. Um, but what I would say is like, I think some people forget that uh, personalization does go a long way. And so we, we have all of our job postings on Angel. I've actually grown to love Angel um, as just a platform. And so I, I actually totally forget what it looks like from a candidate's view. But from my view, I get like a little blurb that the person wrote right? Um, it shows their experience and anything else that's like general from their, their profile. 
And that little blurb that people write is absolutely the first thing that I look at. And so little things that I guess go a long way are making it personalized. Like I know that my name is on the the job postings. And so when someone says like, dear hiring manager, like, okay, that's, Mm. that's fair. Right. But like my name is right there. So that's, that's okay. Uh, that maybe is a bad example because that happens all the time, but, but making it personalized, right. And showing why you're interested in the company. And like you mentioned traditional cover letter, like, although the platform is a little bit different, I think using that as an opportunity to kind of have a cover letter, um, goes a long way. And those are the people that I, I spend extra time looking at their resume and looking through the details. A, because I know that they spent extra time applying, right. And so they're that much more interested, um, versus the people who don't write anything as well. I'm equally as much, uh, I spend equally as much time reading through their things as they spent applying for the job, you know? Um, and so there is that, uh, level of personal personalization, personalization and thoughtfulness that I think does actually come through and, and go a long way. Yeah. I would say, I would just commend that, uh, when, uh, and I, I see a lot of uh, applications as well for, for, for other companies. And whenever someone mentions uh, dear hiring manager, it just screams that it's a copy paste. And, yeah. uh, and I think everyone just realizes that, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's a copy paste. And like immediately consciously and subconsciously, the person who's looking at the application, they're like, okay, this is a low effort. They're not interested. They're just spraying and praying. Um, yeah. and, the best uh, is when they leave the wrong name in. <laughs> oh, That's the wrong name? Funny. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Okay, well, Dear Adam, and you're like, hmm. <laughs> well, I, I think, uh, I think, it, like, I don't know, from my point of view, if, if their name is wrong, at least that's maybe like they did their research and they did not, uh, uh, you know, maybe they found some other name in the company. Uh, uh, so at least I think that's a little bit of a notch better than just dear hiring manager. Uh, but of course, if, you, if you're nailing the name right, I think, I think that's, uh, that's the best. And yeah. I think another misconception that I'm hearing from a lot of people is that they think they need to write like paragraphs and paragraphs how excited they are about the industry. And I think that's not necessarily true. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe your perspective is a little bit different, but uh, I find that, you know, you know, dear, dear Ramon, dear Melissa, you know, like reaching out, maybe, you know, naming people by name and, uh, you know, just uh, commenting on why they want to work in your company. Uh, and it doesn't have to be, uh, you know, a thousand words. It needs to be like, I don't know, 500 words. What are your thoughts on that in terms of about length of that blurb of that uh, cover letter, first message? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, people get lost in details, I think, right? And I think when you presume, like we we probably average about a thousand applicants a month the last month or so. Um, and so when you break that down, that's a lot to go through, right? And so I think concise and to the point is super key. Um, I think I think the other thing that's helpful to do, like, so yeah, to your, to your point in words, like a short paragraph, right? And I think the other thing that's helpful is don't just reiterate the things that are on your resume. I think to your point, like do highlight why you're interested and excited about the industry or this role in particular. Cause that's, that's always something I ask people, right? Like what makes you excited about this role and, and Uma in particular. And so highlighting that for, for the job that you're applying for and the, the company that you're applying for um, goes a long way. And then I think also unique to this industry is highlighting your hobbyist experience. I actually find really interesting because there isn't, um, a playbook or a formal education for this industry, right? And so if someone's coming over from Web2 or um, or whatever, just a, a more traditional background or maybe completely different skill set, but who knows, has been doing like wild, crazy, cool things in crypto for the last four years. I want to know about that stuff, you know, because um, that speaks volumes to like A, your ability to self-start, uh, B, your passion and enthusiasm for this industry and and see just your ability to like learn and grow and yeah, and understand this industry and the ethos of this industry. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, yeah. I, one of the topics that I wanted to touch on er- earlier and I think we, we kind of chatted about it as well is the working in, in bear market. Uh, and we're definitely in one right now. Uh, <laughs> what, what are your, what are your uh, thoughts and like maybe comments or advice? Because a lot of people get like disinterested They think, okay, it's all, it's all gone. It's all, uh, you know, <laughs> the crypto is dead again, uh, which is totally not true. Uh, any, any thoughts and comments? Yeah, mm-hmm. I have a lot of thoughts. Um, <laughs> all good ones, though. Positive things. So what's 
both from like a candidate, maybe starting from the candidate experience, I feel like you always want to look for the companies who are building tech to last, right? If something feels frothy and too good to be true, it probably is. And so like as a candidate, trying to also siphon through the noise and, and find the good companies, I think is important. And from a company perspective, um, I mean, we've touched on this in, in the previous conversation, but like growing and sustaining that growth and, and building a company, both in terms of people and tech and products that is built to last is really important, particularly in our industry, because we, we know, and if you haven't been here before, welcome, we'll get through this and, and there'll be another time, but we have these ebbs and flows, right? And that's okay, as long as you are building to last. And so from a hiring and recruitment perspective, it's kind of status quo for us. I mean, we stop and think, right, and make sure that we are making the right decisions and um, and maybe things taper off a bit as, as kind of the industry uh, does its thing and markets do their thing. But we will continue to kind of sustainably grow and, and sustainably build. And, and you make sure you have the runway to do that and you do things responsibly. But what I love about hiring in this market is you get the like genuine talent, right? And so in really frothy bull markets, you get people who apply or like, hey, I heard about Bitcoin at Starbucks yesterday and I really <laughs> want to apply. And you're like, great, like, tell me more. <laughs> you've, been in, you've been in this industry for 30 seconds, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But versus I think the people who apply for roles in these markets are the ones that you know are super passionate and genuine about like building impactful technology and they're here to last both in terms of kind of themselves their roles their skills and and where they want to be going and i think those are the people you want to hire right because um they are excited and and passionate about building to last and as a company if if you are equally as aligned there i think that's uh, that's a win, right? And so, um, yeah, market ebbs and flows take a toll on probably the level of my gray hair. But in terms of building a team, I, yeah, it's it's kind of a fun market to to build in. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Uh, what would you say are what are the current roles that you guys are hiring for? Yeah, we uh, have quite a few roles kind of casually open right now. The the ones that we're really pushing for are front-end engineers um, and product leads. So as I mentioned at the beginning, we recently split into this kind of product-focused structure, uh, which is really exciting. And that also allows us to scale a bit more when we're not operating as that kind of monolithic engineering team, right? And so building out our, our front-end capabilities, um, always looking for, for more smart contract engineers, uh, but front ends and, and product leads and product people are the big focus. Um, any any internal recruiters out there, come help me. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Amazing. Uh, yeah, this was great. I feel. Uh, is there any any questions before we jump into like Q and A? Uh, is there any questions that I I should have asked that I haven't asked you? Maybe there was something that you want to mention once again or. Um... I don't think, I know, I, it's been a great conversation. This yeah. is great. Amazing, yeah, thanks so much. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to um, kind of a little bit of a housekeeping. I think I should have mentioned earlier that, uh, yeah, as, as always, we're giving up uh, POPA NFTs uh, for everyone who's attended. Again, there's a limited uh, supply of them. So just please head out, head over to Uma's profile on CryptoJobsList. Um, it's uh, pretty much CryptoJobsList.com companies Uma. And there you will see an, a, a widget, maybe in a few minutes, if it's not live yet. Uh, and there you'll just be able to to claim your um, Pope NFT. And uh, you make sure, please make sure to follow CryptoJobsList, uh, Melissa, and uh, Uma uh, accounts on Twitter. And then you'll be kind of eligible for for claiming it. Um, all right. And uh, yeah, I think we can we can just uh, head over and uh, proceed with q and I think we have uh, quite a few people. I noticed Clayton was earlier in uh, in Twitter space, but I think he left. Uh, maybe it would, it would be great to uh, get him back. Uh, but all right, we have uh, Trek um, been asking for uh, to be added to speakers for quite some time. Uh, please, everyone, uh, ask your questions. Uh, raise your ask. Uh, raise your hand, ask your uh, access to uh, to microphone. 
and uh, please make a quick intro and then and shoot your question. Hey Trek, how are you doing? I think we just added a speaker and Clayton is back. So maybe Clayton wants <laughs> to chime in and uh, mention a few things. Let me add uh, Clayton to speakers. If he is available. I think everyone's uh, still processing uh, the bear market situations. <laughs> um, uh, Wait, it is a good time to apply? <laughs> is it a good time to apply? I think it is the best time to apply. I think I, I would definitely uh, add that the signal to, to noise ratio mm -hmm. uh, is the best uh, during the bear market. Okay, we have a one person, Divid, uh, requesting to speak. Uh, Divid, please... Uh, all right, there was an error while you joined. Just a quick reminder for everyone who is joining and asking questions, make a quick intro about yourself, uh, no hard shilling of any projects or tokens, and just ask your question <laughs> to, the, to the point, please. Hello, everybody. Good night. I think a few people are joining. Tito and... Tito. Hello, Raman. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? Can you please intro yourself quickly I'm and uh, yeah. ask a question? Okay, okay. I'm new here in the crypto world. I'm a mining engineer, and I'm really excited to to start working about cryptos. I have I don't have any experience about that, but what uh, what do you recommend for beginners to start working with cryptos? Hmm. For engineering or for non-technical roles? For non-technical, for people who want to begin to work with crypto and, mm -hmm. for example, with mm -hmm. Yuma Protocol or another project. Melissa? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, I, kind of as I touched on earlier, I think gaining some of that hobby kind of experience, right? So doing things like hackathons, joining different Discord communities of projects, um, particularly the projects that you want to work with, um, different Telegram communities. There's there's all sorts of resources to learn. So if you're if you're engineering experience, I think I didn't quite hear correctly. I think you said mining engineer, but nonetheless, if, if your engineering experience doesn't necessarily directly translate, there's so many great free resources online to learn. And um, and I think all of those things, I think I said hackathons, right? All of those things are a good way to both um, grow and develop your skills as well as, as I mentioned before, like showcase your aptitude for, for learning and developing those skills. Um, and I think the, the plus side to that too is it's a good way to get recognized, right? And so we are often at hackathons. I mean, we sponsor all of the ETH Global hackathons and, and part of that is a recruitment strategy, right? Like who are the builders here that are enthusiastic and excited and um and i think most of those are free for people who are hacking and so it's a, it's a really good way for people to learn and um and for us to to find you <laughs> and as well in in our communities i mean we've hired a couple of people from our community and um clayton could have spoken to the supermans and and the powerful group of people that they are but both them and, and just people within our community who raise their hand and say like, hey, I want to help and do X, Y, Z. It may be something little, but again, kind of that piece of consistency, right? Like who is showing up and consistently um, adding value? And those are the people I think that, that really start to get recognized. And so, yeah, I hope that helps you. Please do join us. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. Of course. Cool. Uh, thanks for the question, Tito. Uh, by the way, I'll be I'll be demoting some of the speakers because Twitter has a limit on how many people can be at the same time. So just FYI. All right. Uh, next up is uh, Divit. Uh, please unmute your mic. Uh, make a quick intro and ask your question. Hey, thanks, someone, for opportunity to speak and uh, to give a quick intro. I'm like from a programming background and started career in 2004 in desktop apps, Visual Basic. Later did Java, JavaScript, and uh, lately working on Salesforce and frontend. I'm learning uh, Web3, like especially Solidity and blockchain since starting of this year. And I am 
like on a beginner level but the biggest struggle i am facing is uh, i'm not looking for money but i'm looking for real exposure like with, let's say uh, established team to let me work for one or two months without even a pay is fine because uh, i want to get my hands around the stuff and that's where my struggle is so how can i get in and prove my value and maybe payment is a later thing I, i'm not worried about that i want to learn first at a real level Melissa, yeah, I can, I can, <laughs> yeah, I can totally appreciate that. It's that hard problem, right? Of like, how do you get your first job? It, it's, it happens to people across various different kind of life stages, I think. Um, I, I feel like I'm going to sound redundant here, but I think participating in DAOs is a really good way to do this. And so again, kind of, um, and, and maybe that's not necessarily joining a, a company in the same capacity, but I would hope that it would give you the ability to kind of um, learn from different people there, right? And and work on different projects, um, potentially find someone who, who is willing to mentor you. Um, and like I know in our community, for example, there we have a bounty program, right? Or there's like different littler projects that um, – that community members can do. And I think it's a good way to get feedback from the team or get feedback from the other DAO members and, and continue to kind of grow and evolve your skill sets. And so I feel like, I feel like that's maybe not the best answer because it probably still seems a little bit intimidating to kind of dive into a DAO, not knowing if there is a mentor there for you. Um, but I think if you find the right community and, and maybe it's a bit of um, trial and error, right? Not, not every community is built the same. Um, I don't want to shill our community too hard, but they're pretty awesome and they're, they're a really welcoming group. Um, and so I know that's happened in our community a bunch of times where people have, have done little projects or, um, yeah, really started to work as a team to, to help deliver value for their kind of community DAO or, or Uma protocol at large. So I hope that's helpful. Sure. So I will check your profile, Melissa. I'm not very much aware of which DAOs are helping people. But again, uh, I'm happy to be uh, one or two months without pay just to prove my value. And I'm sure I will do so. That's where I'm looking for opportunity because I know people don't want to pay an inexperienced guy. And it, they all need like a experienced solidity developer or blockchain guy. But I think this is sort of helpful. I will check the profile <laughs> and try to find it. Thank you. Yeah, uh, David. You mentioned you you have a background in uh, front end engineering, right? Or and you have some engineering experience before, right? Yeah. So I'm programming uh, since the 2000 as hobbyist and 2004 as a full time job. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So it sounds so it sounds great. Yeah. I think all projects out there, including Uma, they have a GitHub account, and you can go ahead and like check out their the projects that are available in their GitHub account and just see. You know, I think it's one one approach is just to get started with them, you know, compile the projects, install all the dependencies, get it running, um, make sure that it works, understand how it works inside. And then next step would be uh, just look at the open issues and uh, try to improve things, try to fix some 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 open tickets on GitHub um, or, you know, just go to the uh, bounty uh, pages on Omar or on any other uh, project that you, that, that you enjoy and that you like. Uh, and I think in, in this case with, with Uma especially, right, because they're uh, an Oracle and in blockchain, like you cannot go very far without using an Oracle. Uh, well, sooner or later, you will, you will have to use one. So you better, you better be familiar with what's out there on the market and uh, kind of try and see what are the pros and cons and like how to use them and how do they operate. So I think that's a, that's a great a starting point. Um, and, you know, just, you know, just get in and, uh, you know, get clone. Uh, yard install and uh, try try uh, you know understanding how the project runs and how how everything works. Um, yeah. yeah, great. Sure, I think that, yeah, GitHub idea is very good to see open issues and maybe try solving that. I will check it out. Thanks, mm -hmm. Raman. Thanks, Melissa. Yeah, thanks, nice thanks, David, for the great question. Uh, all right, next up is we have OG Distillery. Um, I'm curious about the question. Please make a quick intro and. Uh, Unmute yourself first, and the quick intro and the question. Ah, hey, my name's uh, OG. Uh, I own and operate a micro distillery, um, and I just trade crypto for hobby. And I study and analyze about two hundred uh, different coins in my spare time. Um, 
and yeah, I just look for different nuances with coins and how they might operate and how they could be uh, tied to things. And that's what I do in my spare time. Cool, cool. Do you have any questions uh, for Melissa or uh, for me or just for everyone how, here about job search or about working in industry? aggregate data? There Sorry, we go. say that one more time. How does an Oracle aggregate data? An Oracle or our optimistic Oracle? An Oracle, just in general. Yeah, typically they're just API feeds, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think uh, did you, uh, maybe like a more expanded answer, <laughs> or maybe or maybe maybe you can comment more specifically about about how Uma optimistic Oracle works in maybe in in higher detail if you, if you can of course. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, so so our Oracle is a little bit different of a solution. Um, we provide kind of a, a human powered data dispute resolution system, and so. Really, if you think of a traditional Oracle, it's something like Chainlink, right? You ask uh, a basic question and you get a basic answer from an API feed. Price at X time date, done. Um, uh, we have something we built called the data verification mechanism. And really anyone can, anyone, like person, can um, earn a reward by proposing answers to, to any kind of request that is made to the Oracle. And so that proposed data won't necessarily be sent to our data verification mechanism um, unless it's disputed. And, and disputes are typically rare because they are, uh, the Oracle in general is optimistic in, in nature. And there's a whole bunch of like game theory and um, token economics and uh, and such behind the, the tech. But um, the lack of disputes is what makes it optimistic. Optimistic, and so it it functions more quickly and and cost effectively than typical oracles. Um, yeah, so that, that can I answer your question, OG? Yeah, it answers it quite well. Thank you very much. Cool, awesome. Thanks for the question, OG. Um, I, I have a question, by the way, regarding the oracle uh, itself. Uh, is it mainly price fees, or there is some other data that is not numeric that you guys provide? Yeah, that's that is what's super cool about it. Um, it can be literally anything that is knowable, essentially, and so, um, it, and be and that is because it's not necessarily reliant on a typical API, right? And so, uh, a really cool example that um, is really digestible is we recently integrated with Polymarket, and they're a predictions market for various different things, like who won the soccer game yesterday, right? Um, and uh, the optimistic oracle is what is at the core of their dispute resolution system. So if someone um, supplies the answer to the game and someone disputes it, uh, that goes to our oracle and our token holders to vote on. And so it's a really cool way to showcase um, the breadth of, of the data that can be uh, managed by the oracle. Cool. Uh, what would you say are the most popular applications so far? Um... There's a lot. I mean, that's a good one. We have teams like Yam Finance and and a bunch of others that that we work with most closely. We've created different products on top of uh, the Optimistic Oracle, like I mentioned. Um, internally, like across our L2 bridge, um, which has been really quite a, a popular product and exciting to see grow and scale, and and particularly because. L2s are a really big way forward, right? That's that's exciting to watch. Um, and then just different financial products, I'd say. So like different things like KPI options and success tokens, which um, teams can use for treasury diversification and, and governance efficiency and, and lots of different things. So we're continuing to kind of broaden that, that scope, both internally and externally with different partners. Um, but I guess what's exciting is that that is so broad. And so we're ha more than happy to to work with various different companies and, and partners and help them integrate and keep the optimistic oracle at their core of their product as well. Awesome! Thanks for the uh, for the answer. We had Air Force One, but I think he was dropping in and out. Um, all right. Any any more questions, ladies and gentlemen, in the audience? 
Pam, pam, pam. It's it's a pity that that Clayton um, left. <laughs> he he would probably be excited to to talk a little bit more about <laughs> the underlying tech. Um, pum, pum, pum. Let's give another about maybe five minutes or so. Uh, hopefully, someone will raise their hand and ask an interesting, insightful question about. It can be about job search, about transitioning from non-crypto into crypto, from about, perhaps about non-technical positions in the space. Um, can be a question towards Melissa. Can be a question towards me. Um, quite a few people listening. In the meantime, quick reminder, we still have uh, quite a few POPE tokens available. I'll, I'll send you one release as well towards the nice. end. Uh, you guys can claim them on the UMA page. There is like a claiming widget. And I, I, haven't, I haven't been able to tweet the direct link from CryptoJobsList account just because all my Twitter tabs are like, you know, uh, locked, so to say. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think there was a, there was a tweet uh, with the easy link to directly to UMA page on CryptoJobsList. Uh, I think were, right now there are like 25 people there uh, <laughs> trying to claim it, which is amazing. Um, any more raised hands with questions that uh, we'd like to would love to answer? All right, a track been added as a speaker, but did not ask a question yet. Maybe maybe he will have a question. Maybe not. Um, anything exciting that you're looking forward to in the in the upcoming month, Melissa? All right. Hey, good oh, night. Hi, yeah. All right. <laughs> hi, Trek. How are you doing? All right. I am sorry. I did not get to tune in um, early enough to catch X amount of the explanation um, about Uma. And then I was having another conversation thing happen in front of me, but sorry about that. <laughs> Nonetheless, I still didn't want to get like the, the listening on what I could. Um, I think it was Melissa. Am I wrong or right? Yeah. Uh, uh, thank you for taking the time to come out and you know share your thoughts on stuff. Um, I don't know if I necessarily have any questions right now, only because I didn't hear the beginning of the explanation of what UMA is, so I don't necessarily know where to go with the question. Um, it's all right. As as that's I okay. I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, that's totally okay. We, uh, I won't be too redundant here. We are an optimistic oracle, um, a, an ecosystem building products. Um, on top of that, uh, a really great place to go to learn more is obviously our website, our doc site. We have a Discord community um, that is super active and, and really, really welcoming. Um and so both in terms of just like learning more and getting involved, I'd say that's a, that's a really great place to start. Uh, you can also DM me after this. I'm pretty sure my DMs are open. I actually should double check those settings, but um, yeah, I'm happy to continue chatting if there's anything specifically that I can help you with or, or let you know. All right. Um, hmm. uh, Non-technical question. Uh, as far as like events going on this year, are there any in particular thing, events as far as like conferences, summits or anything like that, that you guys are in particular looking forward to, to making, to like, you know, be out there in the community, see what else is going on with other folks? I know there are a number of things happening over like the next three, four months. Yeah, we sponsor uh, all of the ETH Global events coming up. So I think there's um, New York coming up in June, um, Paris. I forget the list of all the rest of them, but we'll be at all the rest of them for the rest of the year. Um, there's a, a women-focused conference in Vancouver in July, speaking of diversity and events. Um, and then DEFCON, I think most of the team will be at DEFCON in October in Bogota. Um, I'm super pumped for that. Both, well, it's DEFCON, so that's exciting. And it's um, kind of where we're basing our, our team offsite around. So we try and do a team offsite um, in an isolated area, like isolated being from community events and just like somewhere where we can really kind of focus and have team time and, and get to know each other. And then another team offsite 
based around a community event. So something in the, in the Ethereum community. And so we're doing that at DEF CON this year. Um, presuming COVID doesn't like flare up and get in our way as it has the last couple of years. Um, yeah, so we're pumped for that. And, um, I personally am pumped to just like get back into, um, the ETH community. And like you mentioned, just like be present and, and get to know more people and what other projects are doing. I've, I've totally missed that the last couple of years. Cool. Are you planning to be at ETH Lisbon by any chance? Someone from our team will be. Cool, cool, when is, yeah. when is that one? I think it's in September. Yeah. I think actually quite a bit of the team went last year as well, but we'll, we'll have some teams there or some team members there. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I'll, I'll try to make just a few of them as well. <laughs> it's been a long time. No conferences for me. Right. COVID. <laughs> yeah. That is so true. I've been trying to like get him to come to something back in the States for like how long now? Um, yeah. Any chance anybody's going to be in um, Toronto for Blockchain Futures Conference? Ooh, not that I know of, actually, unfortunately, because there's a handful of Canadians. Um, but I'll look into it and, and see. All right, just, just throw that one out there. Like, I'm <laughs> actually making that one this year, and then I'm trying to get to a couple of other things between now and August. September. But anywho, um, cool. as far as how like your team is set up, um, is it all remote? Yes. Or... Yeah, we are international and, and fully remote. Yeah, I think we, we covered some of these questions earlier, but uh, it's all right. Um, yeah, thanks for the questions, uh, Trek. Uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, I wonder if there was if there were going to be more people today asking questions. If not, I think we'll be wrapping up because it's been uh, slightly over an hour, and it's getting late uh, in Vancouver, uh, I believe. So we'll uh, you know got to be respectful of everyone's time. Um, all right. Yeah, I suppose like no one really uh, you know raised their hand to ask a question. So I'll get just going to start wrapping up. Um, yeah, thanks so much, Melissa, for for joining us today. Uh, this has been amazing. Really good answers. Really good. Uh, Questions, I hope as well. Yeah, <laughs> it was really good. It was really good learning about more about Uma and how you guys uh, operate and work. And uh, really appreciate everyone who asked the questions so far. Um, and I think we we had a pretty good mix. Uh, we're still kind of experimenting with the, with the right time. It seems that different days, <laughs> different timing, kind of yields different results in terms of attendance and in terms of uh, you know how many people ask questions. So yeah, we're still. If you guys have any suggestions around what's the best time. Please let me know. Please let us know. We'll be happy to like adjust the next Twitter space for the time. Um, all right. Yeah. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. I mean, Pacific and Australia isn't the easiest time zones to coordinate <laughs> either. So um, thank you for having me and thank you for being flexible. Yeah, definitely. Uh, thanks so much for making it. Uh, all right. I think at this point, we're, we're just going to be closing down. And oh, yeah, right. Uh, one last thing. Uh, yeah, make sure to follow everyone here for the next Twitter space and apply to Uma to their jobs. Uh, and just DM Melissa if you feel that you have, uh, uh, you know, an interesting profile. I know uh, I'm pretty sure uh, Melissa's DMs will be, uh, you know, uh, a tough place to navigate. So don't immediately expect the response, but uh, I hope she will try her best. <laughs> And uh, again, these uh, sessions are recorded, so we'll be uh, publishing them on our kind of podcast. We have a podcast called uh, Working Crypto that is available on our podcasting apps out there. Again, it's pretty much just a recording of, of this video space. So if you miss something or you want to re-listen again to some of the parts, uh, you know, beginning of this conversation or previous conversations, uh, please, uh, you know, do so. Subscribe and uh, you know, review us <laughs> as well. Uh, we're not really actively pushing our our uh, podcast, but uh, it's a nice it's a nice kind of like summary and a track record of all the previous uh, Twitter Spaces that happened. So uh, anyway, at this point, I'll um, you know let's let's just um, finish up. And thanks so much once again. Uh, thank you everyone for joining. Uh, I'll be closing the space. Thank you so much.